Hey everyone, this is Amos for Just Being Amos Podcast. I have Brad with me for the Confirm Epic Podcast. And we're going to talk about Transforming the Last Night. And we're going to give some spoilers and everything like that. And also, we're going to talk about Heroes Con 2017. I hope you guys enjoy. from the Hollywood foothills of North Carolina. Welcome to a very special edition, a one-of-a-kind, maybe one-of-many edition of the Confirmed Amos Podcast. That's right. You heard it correctly. The Confirmed Epic Podcast crosses over with the Just Being Amos Podcast, and it is proudly presented by DGWW Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. And what could be an event so epic that it could lead to this crossover between two iconic podcasts? It's the one, the only, Michael Bay's Transformers, The Last Night. I, of course, am the real Brad Bell. And joining me today from the ATL is my podcasting partner and beyond that, good friend, Mr. Amos of the Just Being Amos podcast. How you doing tonight, Amos? Yeah, I'm doing fine, Brad. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to join, team up with you, man. Always. Yeah. Always a pleasure. It's some of my favorite podcasts to do with you, Amos, because like you say in the title of your pod, just being Amos, it's you, it's no fluff, you don't pull any punches, and you let the audience know exactly what you think. And it was awesome getting to see you in person in Charlotte, North Carolina on Father's Day weekend 2017 at Heroes Con, and that's what we're going to start out the show talking about, Amos, because it's the one time of year that you and I get to meet up, hang out, and talk in person, and it's my favorite comic book convention of the year just because it's focused on comics, and that is Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina, presented by Shelton Drum of the Heroes Aren't Hard to Find comic book store. If you're ever in Charlotte, North Carolina, hit them up. So, Amos, Tell Yo. me about your show at Heroes Con. What did you like? What did you not like? What were your most memorable moments? You know what, Brad? I never dislike Heroes Con, man. It's a, it's always a great time going there. Because you know what? When I'm at Heroes Con, man, I'm among the people. I would say my people because, you know, we like the same thing. It's all about comic books. You know, nothing else but comic books. You know what I'm saying? So this year, man, um, I had a great time, uh, and um, I've been going to Heroes Con for the Hero Con like for like seven, eight years, I think. I've been going since seven to eight. Two thousand four was my first year, man. This was my thirteenth year. Yeah, I've been going for the past seven, eight years, man. You know, and this was actually my first con ever. 
Heroes Con. It was the first con ever that I've ever been to. Yeah, not was, this Heroes never, Con. You're talking about seven years ago. Yeah, um, Heroes Con was my first exposure to comic book conventions, you know. That was a I good never one. been to one. Yeah, it was a good one. I think that was a great jumping point for going to conventions, going to Heroes Con. So I've been going ever since. I think I never missed a year at all. Either I was um, a fan or I was part of, you know, guests or some of my friends in the business or whatever, you know. And um, like I said, this year, man, was great. Uh, got the chance to set some panels. Uh, got to meet some of my favorite artists and writers. And I picked up some goodies, you know, like always. So it was great. Now, you have great. a pretty epic story involving one Miss Kelly Sue DeConnick and her husband, Matt yeah. Fraction. And that's the story I want you to tell in this special edition of the Confirmed Amos podcast. Oh, it's not that special, Brad. Come on, give me some credit, man. It was not, it's not that special. Hey, Don't shout out. <laughs> how many people run into Kelly Sue, get recognized by Kelly Sue in a hotel lobby, and then get a shout out at a panel with Kelly Sue and Matt Fraction? So you got to let our listeners know about it. Okay, okay, okay. So it was check-in day. Um, we arrived the day before um, Heroes Con. It was on a, it was on a Thursday. I'm checking in at the Western, and um, I see Kelly Sue on my right side, right? And I'm, I'm with my girlfriend and, uh, and her daughter. And, <laughs> and I say, hey, and I say, hey to Kelly. Shout out to Kelly Sue and Matt Fraction. Love them. Um, doing? And she said, hey, how you doing? She runs up and gives me a hug. And I say, okay, how are you doing? Everything's fine. And I say, I'll see you on the floor. So the next day, that Friday, um, I'm on the floor in the convention center. I mean, at the convention center, Heroes Con, and I'm I'm talking to Kelly Sue at her table, and she was she mentioned me in one of her panels, and I, I, I'm gonna read a tweet. What she I'm gonna read the tweet she um put on Twitter, right? I'm gonna read this for you. Okay. And the tweet. And the tweet says, um. I had a tweet. Wait for it. Hold on. Wait for it. I got it. While you're loading the tweet, I just want to clarify. He meant the sh- the show floor, not the hotel floor. Yeah, the show floor. I'll, I'll meet you on the floor. Right. So this is what she said on Twitter. She said, uh, "I know I have. <laughs> I said I know. I now have to find and check find the check-in dude, which is me." And apologize, which I would, which would be even weirder. Weirder. Oh, I can't say it. Weirder. Weir, weirder. Okay. Weirder. Okay. Just say weirder. Stay stranger. Whenever you stranger. cannot pronounce a word or your tongue's getting tied, just think of a synonym for that word and use it. Podcast in secret. Oh, there you go. So she she tweeted this, right, man? So when she tweeted this, I turned around and said, I'm that guy. It said, oh, you are that guy. And now we have a story. So I went to the um panel, right? It was the um milk fed panel, you know, that's their um their brand, um criminal mastermind. And um they was talking about um what's projects coming out with Mac Fraction, Terry Dawson, Chip Sudersky, and Kelly Sue. They were talking about what's coming out. And they had a panel and they had a thing called um Q and A. And it was they did like the Dunahue style. And anybody who's familiar with um Dunahue, it was back in the day, it was a talk show. You know, he yeah, always goes Phil to the Donahue. Audience. Yep. Phil Donahue. He goes to the talk show 
on to the audience and you know, they go ask questions to the guests and everything like that. So they did it that way. So everybody um raising their hand, getting questions answered and stuff like that. So I'm on a far end, right? And so I'm raising my hand. I finally, they finally get to me. And so Kelly Sue's run over here, runs, runs. Oh, this is my friend Amos. This is Amos, everybody. And I'm, I'm in front of like a hundred people, man. A hundred people. And and she was telling the story and everything. And I, I all I could do is shake my head. So I was, I want to ask Matt Fraction about sex criminals, which is, by the way, a great comic book. If you have not read it, and I asked him, are you going to, are we still going to have the TV series? And Matt Fraction said, oh, you know, it's Hollywood, you know, we, we don't know, but it's coming. So I, then I asked Chip about the spectacular Spider-Man because, you know, he's writing that. Yep, with the um, series Andy, coming out this summer. Yeah, with Andy Kerbert, um, Andy and Adam, the brothers. And um, I asked him how it is working on Spider-Man. He said, you know, you know, you got a hundred times told the story of Spider-Man, right? And Matt Fraction said, yeah, I gave chips on cards. Some of my um, girlfriend died, guilt. Uncle died, guilt. <laughs> just, just the guilt, right? So it's just the fact that those two um, writers and artists, that group of people, they are very appreciative of their fans, you know? They're very appreciative of their fans, man. They do a lot of interaction with their fans doing their panels and everything. Didn't you win a pair of socks as well? Yeah, so when I when they answered my question, uh, they had like a garbage bag. And the garbage bag had goodies. Everybody getting comic books, a robe. I turn around, I get like socks with hearts. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so, I mean, it was fun, man. I had a fun time, man. And, um, I actually asked her because she'd be on my podcast. She you know, told me, um, I got the business card and stuff like that, and she said, shoot her email, and it worked from there. So, so that was kind of that was kind of cool. Teasing probably later in 2017, Miss Kelly Sue DeConnick appearing on the Just Being Amos podcast. Hey, it's it's I'm, I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna say when, but I mean I I got the business card. I need an email because I'm not gonna say anything. It's not in 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 the it's in the works, but not yet. <laughs> so, but I'm hoping. Well, so, that was great, man. I was at the convention as well, covering it as press for Geeks Worldwide, thegww.com, and I attended a panel and got audio of that panel and posted it on Geeks Worldwide right before the Kelly Sue and Matt Fraction panel. In fact, it was in the same conference room. Uh, the panel that I attended was the horror writers panel that had Paul Jenkins, most famously known for creating the century for Marvel. Donnie Coates, who writes the book Redneck, and Evan Dorkin, who writes this book Beast of Burden, which is the one about the animals coming to life. Uh, so you have three horror writers from then and now, past and present, if you will. And it was really fascinating to get their take, especially considering the different points uh, they are approaching this as far as the status of their career. I mean, you have Paul Jenkins, who's legendary status Dorkins somewhere in the middle and Donnie Coates is an up-and-comer in the comic books industry in particular the horror landscape so to hear these different angles talk about horror and their influence of horror man the process that Donnie Coates talked about when writing Redneck he puts on 
an MP3 file that has nothing but screeches and screams and ominous music to get him in the right mindset. And he would talk about how psyched up and on edge he would be when his wife gets home after he spent all day writing this book. One of the things I also liked about this panel, Amos, is they talked about their greatest influences as far as horror is concerned. Of course, you had the big ones such as Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger, but there was a lot of influence from around the world, including Japanese horror and uh, it, European style horror. You know, and let me um, say something about the Japanese horror. They they are pretty good. Like the Grudge. They're pretty good. Yeah, the Grudge and the um, what was it? The, the Ring. What's this? The ring, yeah. So we, I mean, American got it and did something with it, but I really like the original version, man. I like the grudge because it just goes, uh, <laughs> I actually, I, I mean, the ring was a staple growing up in the early 2000s. That was the horror movie. Uh, the grudge series was, uh, the American adaptations were okay. I would put the first two grudge films up there with the two ring films. Of course, forget the ring that just came out called. <laughs> I ring. didn't see that. I didn't see that. I heard it was, I mean, it got like lower than transformers the last night on <laughs> RT. So <laughs> I wasn't really going to bother with that, but that was a good panel. I, I usually go to a lot of the big superhero panels and, I wanted to get something different this year out of Heroes Con. I wanted to focus on the horror. I wanted to focus more on up-and-coming talent because last year I conducted 12 interviews with people like your good friend Mark Bagley and Brandon Fletcher. Got some bigger names in there from Marvel and DC. Uh, So I just kind of wanted to take a different approach this year because that kind of burnt me out. And Amos, one of those creators I got to talk to was a gentleman by the name of Sean Pryor, who is writing a football book called Force, and it's going to be published by Action Labs fall 2017, I think September, just in time for football season is when this book's going to hit. Man, he had a great pitch for this book. He started telling me about it. I'm like, Sean, stop right now. He's like, what? (laughs) I said, this is too good. I got to get this recorded and post it as a mini podcast. So he was cool with it. And he kickstarted this project that he described as Jerry Maguire meets Ballers meets, um, there used to be a show, uh, I think it may have been called Gamers or something. There was a football show that came on ESPN. It was really edgy. It was ridiculed. Back oh, I remember that. Yeah. NFL was not happy with that at all. No, they weren't. But he said it was more Jerry Maguire than Ballers, but he said maybe more like a PG-13 Ballers. What's cool about this book is it revolves around a veteran quarterback who's not past his prime but is coming off an injury who plays for the Tennessee Bloodhounds. Again, they couldn't use the Titans because this isn't a licensed NFL book and the lawyers would be you know, up their ass. Uh, However, you have this aging – quarterback a rookie has been drafted high to replace him so you have that storyline you have all the stuff's going on with the agents fascinated enough the the old quarterback agent is the same agent that the younger guy has who's also been drafted by the Tennessee Bloodhounds who it sounds like there's a good dichotomy there of the agent the business side 
and then the on the field stuff. I haven't had the time because I've just been slammed doing a ton of YouTube stuff and podcasting stuff. I haven't actually got the time to read force. What do you, you're an NFL fan, Amos. We both are. How do you feel about this book as I pitch it to you? Is it something you may would check out? Hmm. Let me see. Maybe. I don't know. I'm I'm not really big on reading comic books about sports. If he would have pitched it to you, I think you would have been sold. Probably so. I had to be there. I had to be there to see and hear him talk about it. And I'm going back to Paul Jenkins, that um, the panel you went to. Yeah. Um, you know he's working. He got books for aftershock comics called Replica. Yeah. Yeah, and I haven't read it yet, but he was giving me the the um, the, the pitch, not the pitch, but the summary of the book. You know, this is this guy. You know, he made replicas of himself, and he's an asshole, and <laughs> so so it, it's, it goes from there, and you know, and so. I haven't got a chance to read it yet, but I'm going to read it. Man, Paul's a really – he's a really down-to-earth and funny, witty I like, guy. I like him. Yeah. I like him, man. You know, he he came to um the comic book shop that I go to the um to put out the – when they first started out, Aftershock, it was Joe Pruitt and um Paul Jenkins promoting the new book. Man, Paul Jenkins is a pretty cool guy, man. And that's what I'm saying when you go to Heroes Con, man. You get the opportunity to talk to the people, to the artists and writers and everybody in the industry on a friendly basis. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah, it's unlike any other. There's three sacred conventions that are comics focused, and this is the smallest of those three. There's Heroes Con in Charlotte in June. There's Emerald City Comic Con, which is in Seattle, Washington in March. And then late October, early November, there's Baltimore Comic Con. I heard about Baltimore. I want to go to that. I do. I do too. But even those, uh, not Baltimore, but I've heard that Emerald City starting to get a lot of the celebrity influence and focus is kind of being taken away from comic book creators. That's inevitably going to happen. I want to talk a little bit more about Paul Jenkins because I love the century. You talked to Paul at the convention. I, I yeah. got to hear his take at the Horror Writers panel. We actually had him back in the day, about probably two years ago, on the Capes Crew podcast on Geeks Worldwide. And I, I want to thank Paul for coming on there and taking the time to shoot the shit with us, in particular me, about the century ripping people like Aries and Half and Carnage. So, and that's Half. a classic. That is a classic, man. The, yeah. the scene when he actually became the void and he ripped Aries in half. Shout out to uh, what was his name? Um, Oliver Copiel, yeah. the artist that did that. My goodness, man! I, I like the character. I like the Sentry, man. He's a complicated character. I want to see him in the MCU, dude. You know what? For his character, man, it's got to be dark. Yeah, they need to do it. They need to go there, do something different. Yeah, I mean, he he stays. He could be a DC character. He could be in one of oh, them movies. He would fit in. So, well, I would say he'd fit in so well in the DCEU, but Superman is basically Century. In yeah, the Century. EU, so yeah, you mean Century? Like Superman was Century had the major mental problems. Yeah, but I'm saying the way that Warner Brothers treats Superman now, yeah. I feel like I'm watching Century more than I'm watching Superman. 
You know, and speaking of Century, man, I'm I'm going back to Heroes Con. Uh, I also had got a lot of I got two sketches done, you know, and I, I got a sketchbook. I started a sketchbook last year, and um, my sketchbook did with Spider Man things, but I'm thinking about starting one for Century because man, the Century man, he's an awesome character, I believe, man. And see, Century, not many people, if anybody, is going to have a sketchbook with him. A lot of people are going to have Spider Man or Spider Verse. The yeah. sketchbook. So that would be a unique thing to keep, cherish, and add to your collection. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that, man. I'm going to get like another sketchbook and do a do a century. Um, but because I have one, I have two done already. One by Brian Silverbacks and another guy, um, Gwenfrey Gwen, I think his name. Uh, he did one for me back at Walker Stalker Con, but. I really enjoy that character, man. But I just I wish they had more of a role gallery for that guy because he's so overpowering, man. Yeah, I don't know if he works as kind of a standalone character, but he no. works well when he's a misunderstood antagonist slash protagonist because he can be used as both with the Void and with the Sentry, both playing a big role in his story. Yeah, he went toe-for-toe with the Hulk, though. Yeah, <laughs> so. he did. He did. World War Hulk, man. That was back in the good old days when Bendis was uh, running the Avengers stuff. That's so true. So true. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, a Marvel Comics. But let's talk about Heroes Con, because when I got there, Amos, I got there. This is right before I met up with you. I was walking around, just wanted to walk the show floor by myself. It gets bigger every year. And that's good because so many people are getting into this stuff. They're seeing the movies. They're seeing the TV shows. And it's drawing them into the source material. Now, you got to keep in mind, this is Saturday, the busiest day of the convention I'm talking about. But right. We're walk- I'm walking around. I feel like I'm in a sardine can. It is the most crowded pride that I'd ever seen Heroes Con on a Saturday. And I don't – when it gets that crowded – it just starts to become like every other convention. But, I mean, you really can't complain because you got to be thrilled with the number of people who are coming out and enjoying the stuff that we love. Well, to me, I mean, could they expand it uh, over the years? I mean, I mean, I used to share the rooms with um, the magazine car oh, show. That was great. Do, 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 do. <laughs> do, do. <laughs> so you get your cars and, you know, sound systems. Then on the other room, you got your comic book fans and stuff like that. I, I was cool when I, when I first seen it. That's kind of cool, man. You know what I'm saying? But I think that spending the con like that is a great idea. And to me, it didn't seem too crowded. Now, you got to understand, I'm coming from Atlanta. I, 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 I go to a Dragon Con sometimes. The Dragon Con is, like, ridiculously insane. Yeah, you're okay. more of a veteran con goer than I am. But here's the thing. They expand the floor. And it's cool because they got like Image and Xenoscope and the Ecto One and the DeLorean over there. And yeah. I like all that stuff. It's almost like they should have put some of the vendors over there as well, though, to spread things out a little more. And I, I kind of agree with you a little bit on that. Uh, I, I, I enjoy them to have an Aftershock and Xenoscope and um, Image there because they need publishers there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the yeah. sell their product and get to get things going. But I think they should have been like there was certain vendors are. Like you said, they should be right in the middle 
with all the crowds going through, you know, with, with the uh, motion with people going through in and out. But at the same time, they expanded. I, I, I really appreciate that because they said it was like 50,000 people total for the weekend. Back in, yeah. I guess, I think, I think. And this is the 35th anniversary of Heroes Con, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is. It was. <laughs> it was, yeah. I guess year 36 is coming up next year. I want to say that one. So my friends and I started going to this in 04. And when we found it, it was a much, it was still big, but it was a, a much smaller convention than what it is today. And you also got to keep in mind, it was my first convention experience. So when I saw it in 04, then that second year in 05, I was blown away. I was like a kid in a candy store. And I just remember going there with my friends from high school and just flipping through the single issues and the trades for hours on end. That's before I really knew about the artist alley and the writer creator section that Shelton provides. Shelton Drum, owner of Heroes Aren't Hard to Find, who puts on the convention. And we used to find killer deals on not only books, but toys as well. Right. Those, those deals, as this stuff has gotten more popular, they're jacking the price up on this stuff. I don't find as many deals. Do you find that at conventions but, but, you go to? But but you got to understand, to get the deals, the deals, you got to wait on Sunday when they pack it up. Yeah, I know, and that's fair statement, but fair it statement. used to be that way on Friday and Saturday as well. You would get killer deals. Not what you'd get on Sunday because their vendors well, are trying to move stuff, and they don't want to take it back with them. Well, well Friday, I caught some deals on some um, a hardcover on Guardian of the Galaxy for $25. It was an omnibus. Remember that? I showed that you that. That was a great deal, and that was the original <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy run. Yeah, it was $25, man. Uh, omnibus is like $100. Yeah, you know usually. what I'm saying. Sixty something usually. on Amazon, if not more. Yeah, so that was a great. That was a steal. So yeah, they jacked the prices up. But I think if you get there on a Friday, where the crowd is just not that huge, like on some Saturdays, I think you would come across some deals. You know. Yeah, I just want to give you an example. So I saw the NECA Alien Queen figure. Now, this is a big action figure that just came out this year. We know Alien Covenant, this is a hot property despite that film's poor reviews. However, this is uh, something that can be had on eBay and on other toy sites for 60 to 75 bucks. I didn't see it anywhere for under 140 Right? What? Yeah. So I think, especially on the collectibles, there's a higher markup for whatever reasons. For example, we know the sideshow statues are really pricey. We know the hot toys are really pricey. A sideshow premium format, which is a mixed media quarter scale statue, usually costs you three fifty to six hundred, depending yeah. on the character. They were selling them for nine fifty a pop. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that's too much. One hundred fifty bucks. So uh, basically, you might as well say a grand at that point. Well, I'm kind of glad I'm not getting those kind of statues anymore. I stopped that. Yeah, you're a smart man. I stopped it too. I sold my hot toys and my sideshow stuff just because I wanted to invest money into other stuff, such as podcasting. Yeah, I'm gonna get to that point. I'm gonna get yeah. to that point. You are, Amos. We're going to get you in the upper echelon of entertainment podcast, and we're going to do it together. Uh, all right. Speaking of that, before we get into our featured review, we're, I want to 
basically promote my shirts that I launched today. You can get a shirt of the Confirmed Epic Podcast at tpublic.com slash user slash the real Brad Bell. That's tpublic.com slash user slash the real Brad Bell. The R-E-E-L Brad Bell. All proceeds go toward paying for production of the shirt as well as the quality of the confirmed epic podcast. Thank you for looking. Look, look at you, Brad. Brad got the epic podcast shirt confirmed. Yeah. And I better see Amos wearing one because that's he has a shirt. I'm going to wear one of his. Yep, I'm, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. All right, Amos, before we get into the last night, is there anything else you want to say about Heroes Con? Uh, no. Well, I wanted to say this is that if you have not been to a convention, uh, I really recommend you go to Heroes Con. I can't put any more emphasis on this. You know, if you really want to get into comic books, this is the place to go. It's the place to go. It's strictly the books, man. It's the love for the book of the of the um the medium it's just it's it's it is it is what it is man it's it's all about the comic books and the love of it you know you're gonna meet great people i'm telling you i met a lot of people that was complete strangers you know I, we met at heroes yeah we, we met at hero con look at us now a year later <laughs> so i'm doing a podcast with brad bell not so, only do we do podcasts i mean we're friends we text on the regular at least almost once a day so yeah 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 and that's what i'm talking about you, you know you get friendships from this man you know people with the same interests the same thing you know you might have a debate on who's better who's not but at the same time it's the love the love of this um the genre well not genre but medium yeah you know it, i'll just say this about heroes con it is a comics purist convention and yeah. if you're looking for the purest form of the medium and that on full display in all its glory. Go ahead and plan on being in Charlotte Father's Day weekend, twenty eighteen for Heroes Con. It's on Father. It's always on Father's Day weekend. Yes, it is. So let's talk, go from somewhere you would want to go, Heroes Con, to somewhere you probably wouldn't want to go, the theater to see Transformers: The Last Night. That uh-huh. brings us to our featured review which is Transformers 5, The Last Night, directed by Michael Bay. I want to stay, and I want to fight them. And now, two worlds colliding. The operation is over. We're not giving up, okay? Only one survives. Forgive me. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. 
All right, all right, Amos. I just want to say a couple things before we get started. Cause Go ahead. I, I think we're going to have different opinions. I think both of us are going to rip this film apart a little bit, however. And I want to say there's going to be no spoiler reel or warning in this podcast. This is the warning right now. Anything after this, spoilers are fair game because we want to be able to uh, dive into this movie hard and heavy from the get-go. Is that fair, Amos? Is that cool with you? That's fine by me, Brad. You know, because remember, I did a podcast like last year about this. One of your most downloaded episodes, with, with, what was the anniversary of Transformers? Was it the, the 30th anniversary. Of the original animated film, right? Right, right. the movie. The original animated film, the 30 so, years. So check out that uh, at SoundCloud.com. Just search for the Just Being Amos podcast. Now, Amos, when we review a film, I like to start out with some stats. Here's some stats for Transformers 5 the last night. Directed by Michael Bay. Before you start, before you start, can can I say the Rotten Tomatoes percentage, please? Uh, that's in these stats right here. Oh. But you can go, <laughs> go ahead and tell them what it is. Okay. The, this is like the lowest percentage they got for the franchise. It's 15% was the Rotten Tomato percentage. That's the critics' percentage. 55% was the, the audience. That is just downright, just, just, ugh. It's just, it's not right, man. It was, it wasn't critically well received. As Amos said, 15% on RT on Rotten Tomatoes, the worst in the franchise's history. Speaking of worst in the franchise's history, it was the worst debut at the box office over five days. It opened on Wednesday, June 21st. So Wednesday through Sunday, the film grows $69.6 million. And on the actual opening weekend, Friday to Sunday, the film only grossed about $45 million. Compared well, I got to- something less. All right. I got $44 million. Real okay, forty-four million. So Amos is looking at, at any little tidbit he can to dig into this movie. <laughs> and then it was sixty-eight point four million total. That's okay. what I got. So I, I round it up a little bit, as I like to do sometimes in my math. So uh, that's the stats for Transformers Five: The Last Night. However, I do want to point out this film made like a hundred twenty-three million dollars opening weekend in China, and it's doing great overseas. So this will not be a complete box office failure for Hasbro and Paramount. Only domestic. Yeah, yeah, domestically it's going to be a bit of a bomb. We'll see where this leaves us as far as the rest of the franchise. Now, Amos, before we get into the last night, I got a few opening questions here to kind of frame our discussion this evening. And I kind of know what you're going to say on this one. And the absolute reason I really wanted to review Transformers 5 with you is because I know how diehard of a fan you are of the original G1 Transformers show and the property as a whole. So tell our listeners your about your fandom of the Transformers property as a whole. You know, um, I'm, I'm pretty older. I'm older than Brad, guys, to let y'all know this. I'm an 80s kid, and I, as a kid, I used to love watching Transformers on the cartoon. I also got the toy line. And I'm very passionate about this, 
And I also read some of the Marvel comic books too. You know, Marvel also did Transformers and GI Joe. They had the um the uh, licensing to it. Larry was I know Larry Hama did GI Joe. To yeah, him. Larry Hama did GI Joe. Yeah, he did. And when I heard they was doing the last night, now granted, the first Michael Bay the live adaptation, live movie they did was pretty cool, right? That that was going to be one of my other questions. Is did you at yeah. least like the first film? And you did. I liked the first film. Oh man, I'm sorry. It's all I'm right. Playing the old episode. I'm playing the old episode. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed the first movie, man. And when I first heard Optimus Prime voice, I'm I'm a kid again because that's Peter Cullen. He he voiced Optimus Prime in a cartoon. Planet Earth. Yeah, yeah. So as a as a kid and as a fan of this this toy line and the of the characters, I think. They it really they just screwed it up, man. I'm sorry, they screwed it up, man. I mean, I know the generation right now think not, but this is coming from a person over the years. I, I've seen different iterations of the Transformer from Generation One to Beast Wars, the Beast Machines, even when the Armada, Energon, all those things. All right, right. So you have a and, a, a very in depth perspective as far as knowledge of trans, Transformers lore. Yeah, right. And also, you know, and also for the toy line, too. And, and also, I picked up a couple of the comic books, too, that it had when ID, not IDW, Dreamwave was around. You know, Dreamwave did some um, Transformer books and everything like that. I read some of that. I'm going back to IDW and start reading more of the Transformers. You know, I heard Hell Megatron was one of the greatest one of the one of the greatest stories of megatron i read that i got the big hardcover volume you do that idw did and it's it's really well done yeah so you need to send that to me please i'll ship it off to me you don't need it <laughs> if if you buy a t-shirt maybe i will uh, oh okay 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 but yeah but th- that's for me man i was like damn yeah i mean it's kind of honestly honestly man trying to make a movie out of the out of a toy line and trying to make a story out of it is probably not not easy to do. But for me... It's easy to do, but have, it's just not easy to do well. Well, yeah. And the thing is, if you want to do that, go to the comic books, man. I got plenty of stories in the comics, right? No, we don't need to listen to any of the fans' love for the property, nor do we need to reference any quality source material. Let's just put the franchise in the hands of one of the greatest directors of our generation michael bay yeah man michael bay you know the man started out doing music videos now he's um he's he's top line okay (laughs) i gotta admit full disclosure before we go in to this review first of all i love the first transformers film i think take that out of the franchise as a standalone outlier that is an epic film that was the biggest and best and just a jaw-dropping i'll never forget the feeling we all had i'll never forget it andrew stokes went and i went with a big group of friends of about 10 or 12 to see some fireworks fourth of july 2007 and then to see transformers at the mall cinema in shelby north carolina at the old carmike 10 and we walked and you know out, what? and it was like something that we had never seen before at that point, Amos. 
And I totally agree. I, like I said, I really enjoyed it, man. Like I said, I was a kid growing up watching this. And like I said, when I first heard Optimus Prime voice, and this is no lie, man. I had goosebumps. I had like my my I had my hair was standing on my arms, and I had my friend with me, RJ, and he doesn't go. He he really don't go to movies, right? And he decided to go to the movie with me to go see Transformers, and he left. He said, "Yeah, that was pretty good, man." And he doesn't like going to the movies. Yeah, so it it was a uh, game changer for yep. not only Paramount but Michael Bay for the whole film industry there with the ver- very first Transformers film. I also am a a big Michael Bay fan. I love The Rock. I love Bad Boys One and Two. I love Armageddon. I, I like The Island. I like some of his other films, but Armageddon's one of my favorite films of all time, along with the no, first you, Transformers. You, you and Brian Silverbacks love some Armageddon, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, I think he like, he loves it majority. Too. I think most people like Deep Impact a lot better. You're either an Armageddon or a Deep Impact person. <laughs> and I guess Brian and I are both Armageddon people. So, yeah, I love that movie got a Criterion Collection release, by the way, which is reserved for the most prestigious films of the century. No, no, no. It, 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 no, it did. No, it did not. I swear on my life that Armageddon got a Criterion. It's the only Michael Bay film to get a Criterion Collection. And that is the only, I mean, what on? Aerosmith won a, a Grammy for that song. Yeah. They did. Hey, I don't want to miss a thing. Let me uh, ask you this. Did you ever see The Rock with Sean Connery and Nick Cage? I like The Rock. I like, I like yeah. that, oh, Rock, man. man. It, was, it was fun to watch. And you got to say this about Michael Bay. I, I read a lot about film and whatnot. He gets the most out of the people he has. I read a story about him on the set of The Rock yelling at Sean Connery and Ed Harris as a 30-year-old director, yelling at these two legends, wanting to get the very best out of them. Now, does he always get the best out of people? That's debatable. Uh, here, he's directing a lot of robots, so it's kind of hard to tell. <laughs> uh, but Michael Bay has some great to epic films earlier in his catalog. So I just, full disclosure, I also want to state that I kind of find these other Transformers films beyond the first one as a guilty pleasure meaning they're so bad, they're funny. And going into this film, that's kind of what I expected. At the very least, it will be so well, bad it's funny. Well, you know me. I said I was not going to see it, but for podcasting purposes and references and stuff, I had to, I had to go see it, you know, because... I appreciate like I said, that. Yeah, right? And I, what I said last year, I was not going to see it, but, you know, I changed my mind. Because I think I really want to dissect this movie. You know what I'm saying? I I really got something to say. And Amos, I really appreciate you doing this podcast with me because Andrew Stokes, my podcast co-host, was not going to do a Transformers podcast with me, Transformers 5. So you stepped up to the plate, and I'm so grateful for that. However, we had been advertising, pushing on our podcast that if somebody donated seven bucks andrew would go see it and review it not only did we get seven we got a ten dollar donation to our paypal and it said here's some extra money for andrew to buy candy so he can stay awake (laughs) wow this is my first of two reviews on this film not to mention that i also did a rapid reflections youtube video that you can find on the confirmed epic podcast youtube channel talking about this film so 
and I get did a written review, which you can find at thepicreview.com. So I read some of that. Enough of me uh, promoting my own stuff. I sound like Michael Bay right here. Um, let's get into this review, Amos. Uh, I, I, here we go, buddy. I've been waiting for this. Let's do this. And um, roll out. Roll out. <laughs> now. Okay. I'll I'll go ahead and let you start since you're the resident Transformers fan. Just initial impressions, feelings about this film. Spoilers are warranted. Spoilers are warranted. Yeah. Okay. Let let it begin. Okay. Let's see here. Going into this movie, and like you know this, and uh, my audience who listen to my podcast, no, I was not. I I was so reluctant to go. But I said to myself, self, what if you just do a podcast about a shitty ass movie? Get a bunch of laughs. Yeah. Tear that son of a bitch up. You know what I'm saying? But but then I, I also my friend Brian Silverbacks was accompanying me to see Transformers. And that that is a true friend right there. Yes, it is. And you know, we, you know, I hooked him up. We we both have our popcorn. He ended up buying a Transformer cup. <laughs> so a like, souvenir I'm cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. I was not gonna buy a damn souvenir cup. I said no. <laughs> you already got my money from the movie. I'm not getting your cup. So anyway, oh. <laughs> is it an AMC or what is the? Is it Regal? Do you know the chain? No, nah, we went. We went to the NCG. And on um, the movie, I only paid like six, no, seven dollars for the movie. You know, that's one of those movies you get free refills and all that stuff. You pay for the popcorn, and you only pay like six or seven dollars to get in, which is cheap. That's great. That's why I like going to that movie. Yeah, I like going to that. So back to Transformers. So first of all, after watching Age of Extinction, I said to myself, I was not going to see another one, but curiosity hit me. Right? I said, what if I just go in there and just sit there and just be numb and not not pay attention to the scattered plots they had going on, the, the ridiculous um, explosions or the corny-ass lines they had in the movie? Okay? Too many plots, too many things going on at the same time. If you want to focus on Contessa, I'm sorry, we're doing spoilers, right? Okay, you focused on the medallion they had or the staff they had. The talisman. Talisman or Unicron or what you want to do? <laughs> Come on, tell me. What do you want to do, guys? Come on, Michael Bay. But you know what? I don't fault, my, fault Michael Bay too much anymore. because I And Brian and I were talking about this. And he said it's mostly the writers, okay? I think you had about five fucking writers on there. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> That's fine. It's explicit. I just want to say this, Amos, because I have an inside scoop. Right. I, I started uh, reading Empire Film Magazine, and they do a podcast, the Empire Podcast. They're a British outlet. Great stuff. But they had a inside look at the Transformers writer's room. I want to tell you how this writer's room set up. This is no joke. There's a massive facility at Paramount Pictures on the lot in California. You go into this, I guess, like almost mini air hangar. There's all kinds of Transformers, like props. There's a life-size Bumblebee in there. Not the car, the Transformer. 
Right. There's all kinds of toys from all series of Transformers, from Beast Wars to G1, uh, you name it. There is literally a wall. Like, you've ever been to one of these theme parks and you go in and they have, like, these extravagant candy shops that right. you would never see anywhere else. Or in the mall, they have those candy shops. Right. Michael Bay apparently loves candy. So there is a wall of candy. Okay. And they have a giant L shaped table. And when Michael Bay can't be there, they got about 15 writers in there. Okay. And they met for the first time about two, right after Age of Extinction came out. So about two years ago. And they wanted to plan out 15 Transformers films. Starting with Good. last Good. night. Good. Yeah. No. I swear Man, that, no. would, that would involve the Transformers playing a role in every single major event in human history. Whether it's the space race, killing Hitler, whether it's, you know, the, the Knights of the Round Table like it is here, the moon landing, whatever. Okay? And they just throw a bunch, I mean, from the way I understood it, they kind of just throw a bunch of stuff out there. And Michael Bay is like, I like this. I like that. And as they describe characters, right? So this character that Anthony Hopkins played, when the writer, his name, the main writer in this movie, there was like five, but his name's like Akiva Goldsman or something like that. And uh, he said, I see this character as a Anthony Hopkins type. So you know what? Michael Bay <laughs> picks up the phone, gets Hopkins on the phone, and he says yes. Not many people say no to Michael Bay. So you got to give the man that. So, I mean, this is like a unlike any other writer's room in the entire scope of Hollywood, this Transformers writer's room. So I just wanted to tell, I mean, honest to God, you can read about that in the summer issue of Empire Magazine, the one that's got Spider-Man on the front. But continue. Man, yeah, you threw me off on that. You just threw me off. That's threw me away. It's blown me away with that, man. Wow. Yeah. I, really? Well, okay. So since I kind of got you off track, look here, I want to tell you something that I liked about this film from the get go. You, really? You liked? Really? Seriously? Like, I, I said something, something that I liked. Okay. Um, so, and I'm stealing this from Kendall Hallman, who's my co-host on Technodrone Tales, which is a TMNT rewatch pod we do, which is right. returning this Thursday. And uh, he made a good point. I do like at the beginning of this film how they're focusing on the robots not being wanted, the robots basically being immigrants and being hated. Now, they go a step right. further. They make me feel like this is a world that experienced four Transformers films and they're sick and tired of these robots. So at least the framing of this film was set up nicely. That is true because they went back to Chicago and Chicago's still in the devastated. It's just devastated. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the aftermath of four movies. I mean, that was good. They're all yeah, that's good. That's, I that's think good. this is we can talk about where this film ranks and all the Transformers films at the end. I think this is not the worst Transformers film, though. You said that you think it is. I disagree uh, with that. Uh, let me see. 
Just just hold after that watching thought. it now. After watching it, after watching it now. Yeah. And what you just said, I, it's not the worst. Okay. Don't don't it's, tell it's us next to the worst. Don't tell okay. us until the end. Okay. Now I I want to also mention that I knew we were in for a real like Michael Bay shit show right from the beginning when the Paramount logo comes up and before the logo can fade from the screen, you see explosions coming from the logo. <laughs> yeah. Here we go, baby. This is going to be exactly what I expect. What did you think? Obviously, the name of the films, The Last Night, we knew it would revolve somehow around King Arthur, Merlin, all that stuff. I'm not a big fantasy geek. I got to admit that. Besides Game of Thrones, not really into the fantasy, never have been. Even Lord of the Rings, I respect it. It's great. It's epic, but I don't love it. How did you think about them? using the Knights of the Round Table, Arthur and Merlin, to sit up this film. You know, another side note, you know, Merlin was played by Stanley Tucci, which he was in the damn fourth movie. Who was He was killed in the fourth movie. Yeah. No, he was he was alive in the fourth movie. He got killed at the end? And St- Stanley got, Tucci? I, hold on. I wanted to just say two things real quick, okay? Uh-huh. Number one, in the fourth film, there's a scene where Stanley Coochie sticks his head, Tucci, not Coochie, <laughs> where Stanley Tucci sticks his head out the window and yells, whoa. Okay, that's a scene, first of all, from the fourth one, but I digress. Okay, there's a character in this film. Do you remember the main military general guy, not Josh DeMail, okay? Uh so not Fergie's husband. I'm talking about the older bald guy. Yeah. yeah. So he's in the first film. You remember him from the first film? I remember the first film. He's killed on screen in the first film. Yet he's right. back in this film. <laughs> it's no With, Transformers has a lot of editing problems, man. But they literally killed the character <laughs> in the first movie, and they recycle recycle characters. He's back. Like, I mean, do you not? I, it would be like in the next Star Wars movie, spoilers for Force Awakens, opening scene, Han Solo is just there. <laughs> Nothing happened. Yeah, but, right. But yeah, you know, Stanley Tucci was Merlin. Yeah, he was a drunken Merlin. A drunken know. Merlin. Like, wow, this dude was like in the last movie. I mean, damn. But um, back to your question about what did I think about them using like, the nice little round table? I mean, it was, I guess, okay. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't really sold on it, man. You know, they they it arrived. Looked, with, it looked good. It looked good visually, but they, the Transformer landed many, many years before they ever, they've been on Earth for like eons, I guess. You know what I'm saying? They were like there for Merlin and Arthur, you know, whatever before was. Before that, they led to the extinction of the dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. <laughs> Yeah, right. I'm like, this is my problem. <laughs> this is my problem about the franchise, man. They, I said, they try to put Transformer in every historical event that happened to man. See, I, I, I gotta admit, now this is, it's not. I, I shouldn't like that. Maybe it's the history teacher, the history geek, and me mixed with the the Transformers comic geek, whatever. I, I love that. But but you know what though, I I. I they're, Transformers have been around for so long, you know, in the Generation One, the cartoon, and everything like that. They've been, they've been around a long time. So, 
I get it. I mean, they want to put them in history and stuff like that. But damn, sometimes like, man, really? That stopwatch killed Adolf Hitler? <laughs> I was about to say, was the Bumblebee Hitler stuff, was that too much? Yes, it was. Like that set piece was incredible with Bumblebee just shows up and starts kicking Nazi ass. Okay, I got a question for you, Brad. Is um what did you think about the second act of the movie? The second act of the movie, would that be can now this movie, because it's Michael Bay, it has four acts. Yeah, it does. I think <laughs> the second act is act is with they, Anthony Hopkins explaining everything and Okay, so is it where they it's where they go to England? Yeah, when everything was slow. Okay. What yeah, I think about so the slow. second act. Uh I love the stuff with the drones, but I guess you could consider that in the first act. There's a scene with the government tracking the Decepticons and Mark Wahlberg has to fight off these drones. By the way, say what you want to about Mark Wahlberg. First of all, Cade Yeager's the most badass name ever. Yo, but check this out, though, man. I was telling Brian, man, I looked at Mark Wahlberg. That dude been in the sun too long. You see how he got burned, man. Hey, but he does not phone it in. He gives, like, everything he has talking to these robots. He, he really does, man. I mean, he's, he's he's badass. I mean, that's a badass name. Yeah, let's talk about the, credit, second, man, like, the second act. Uh, they go, go to England. And they meet up with Anthony Hopkins, who's the keeper of the Witwicky Order. Which right. see how is, they had to bring that back? They had to bring that back, right? Which the they Whit say, Wiki. yeah. So, but he's not a Witwicky, okay? He's no, the he's keeper not. of the Witwicky Order. <laughs> <laughs> now you see the, the the diluted shit I'm talking about, man. The more that I talk about it, that just. <laughs> ludicrous it sounds okay so he's a member of the wit wiki order <laughs> and no, 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 no. <laughs> you see where i'm going with this man no, 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 no. okay hopkins is a keeper not the member of the wit wiki order so there's this i mean just go ahead and say it, this i hate that the, for the red blood and mail to come out in me but just this smoking fine cambridge professor that Michael you know that is? A is going to freaking objectify. At- yeah, he did. I mean, you know who that is, though? That's Peter Quill's mom. What? Yes. That's, she played Oh, Peter- okay. Okay. Yeah, she I said, I looked it up like this. Yeah, right. She didn't have a tumor. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is going off the rails. Let me, let me reel us back in here. Okay, so <laughs> apparently she's the last living member of the Witwicky Order. So she can control Merlin's right. staff, which is the the MacGuffin of the movie, right? That's what they're all trying right. to get because the the Decepticons want the staff to give it to Quintessa so that they can basically bring Cybertron to Earth and Cybertron can suck the life force from Earth, right? But then again, but then again, got, that's what you said. That's supposed to be the thing. <laughs> but then again, here we go with the talisman. They what? bring that in. So there's two MacGuffins and two. <laughs> All right. right. Also, when they go over, Anthony Hopkins gives this long like exposition explaining 
the Knights of the Round Table and the Wit Wiki Order, and they show a picture of Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> yeah. He was killed off screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because if you think about this, Amos, <laughs> if she's the last living member of the Wit Wiki Order, wasn't that imply that he's dead? Yeah, 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 right. That was like a giant fu from Michael Bay to Shia LaBeouf to put his picture yeah. in there, and it was the e- it was the eBay picture, like ladies, man, whatever. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, but yeah, that's funny, dude. But yeah, it's just like I had an, another problem was that you know he had that um, Butler robot. <laughs> Co- all right, Cogsman, who is played <laughs> by Jim Carter. Who's from Downtown Abbey? He's a butler on that show. I don't watch that show. I just I did a little research for this podcast. So again, going back to that writers' room, that when Empire got to go in the writers' room when they were making the script or supposed script, if you want to call it that, for Transformers Five: The Last Night, they said, "I like Downtown Abbey. How about it would be cool if we could get that butler on here?" Michael Bay picked up the phone and he's like, "We got the guy." To voice Cogsman, who is, I mean, he would have been okay for like 10 minutes. Yeah. But the fact that we got him unhinged for a freaking hour. So this movie is two and a half hours. It really seemed like three. I'm sorry, man. It was like so long. It was two and a half hours. And he's from about 30 minutes in, he is in the movie a solid hour and 15 minutes. And he's saying, you punk ass and you bitch ass and just. He was just just rude, man. He was just. Mark Wahlberg said he's psychotic. (laughs) Oh, oh, and he. Here's what I love about Michael Bay. He knew it was going to be a C3PO ripoff, so he just calls it out in the film. Him, he did. I'm like, wow. So I, least, think- I give him props for that. He called himself out on his own bullshit. Yeah, he did. And I think Anthony Hopkins called Cogman a headmaster or something, man. If you didn't know, headmaster was one of the um, toy lines they had back in the 80s. You had the headmaster, target masters, and all those things that were transformers. That's pretty cool. I mean, I mean, I guess Michael Bay know his stuff, but man, it was just. Oh, I got another thing to say too. Hold on, hold on. I got another thing to say. Yeah, we got to talk a little more about Cogsman though before we move on. Yeah, we could talk about Cogsman, man. But he was everywhere, man. I mean, dude. I, I will say it was badass when he was driving that car. That was a cool chase scene. Uh, and Bumblebee was in that chase scene, and Hot Rod was in that chase I, scene. I start right there. What you think about Hot Rod? Uh, I love the, the Transformers movie, the original one, the cartoon that you guys yes. yes. And he's a big, big part of that film. So Hot Rod's been one of my favorite Transformers pre-Michael Bay. Right. And it's not that this character was done poorly. I didn't mind the whole french transformer that's whatever but the fact that you take hot rod who's almost like bumblebee level in the transformers mythos yes you just throw him in there as a bad european cliche it's a lot of cliches in this movie man off man i just thought that was bullshit yeah, there's a lot of cliches in this movie. Like always, that's that's a Michael. That's what it is. Well, what do you think I mean, about Hot Rod as somebody who's a bigger G One fan than I am? Um, I like Hot Rod when he was Hot Rod, not Rodimus Prime. 
in the yeah. cartoon. In the cartoon, as Rodimus Prime, he had issues, man. He wasn't sure of himself as a leader. But as Hot Rod, I really enjoy him as Hot Rod. In the movie, was he Rodimus Prime or Hot Rod? First, he was Hot Rod. Then, and then he became Rodimus Prime. You know, the Matrix, the Matrix, the leadership was passed on, whatever. But yeah. in the in Michael Bay movie, I, but he had a cool weapon though to stop time. That was pretty cool. I say that. I mean, but that was only given to him as a plot device so that they yeah, could get was. their way out of like shitty situations. And that was just like, dude. Even with Bum- even even with Bumblebee, new ability of him disassembling himself. And that was bad. That was badass. I, that was different. I'm like, okay, okay, all right. Okay, oh. now that chase scene we're talking about, where Cogsman is driving Anthony Hopkins around, uh, when he kind of disassembles Cam- the Camaro Bumblebee and right. he takes the shots with his arms, and he has a quote like, "That's how." I don't know what he says, but there's something like that's how a pro does it or that's how it's done. Like the whole Bumble, I, Bumblebee has been through and through the best part of all five of these movies. Like he's been a good character throughout every transform. You know what? They family. pushed that. They pushed that character like that because in the G1, he was not like that. He was always been saved. He was like the little brother to yeah. the Autobots. You know what I'm saying? And what, they, what Paramount has done they made Bumblebee like a central part of the um movie. They basically Movies. made that is Hot Rod more like Bumblebee in the TV show? No. No. No, I'm saying like in the original t- like the way that Hot Bumblebee is now like a central character isn't that the way Hot Rod is in the original TV show? The G1 TV show? Yeah, yeah. he's a okay, central that, character. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, um, because if what they they pushing him to be a central character, and they they done an excellent job. I ain't gonna say they like, did a great job of doing it. Okay, I mean, I want to say something about Cogsman though, and this is a, a, a honest to God quote. So you know Steven Spielberg's an executive producer on these movies. Yeah, yeah. See, I thought that that was just ah, he's putting his name on this. He helped him do the first film, and he's just cashing checks, right? Uh-huh. Okay, that's not the case. Here's a quote from Steven Spielberg about Cogsman. He said that he will be the best character under four foot since Yoda. <laughs> oh, no. I, I swear on my <laughs> life. That no. is Steven Spielberg quote, I kid you not. And I'm like, holy shit. Did they? It's one thing to compare him to C-3PO, but to compare him to Yoda? Uh, Yoda? No, you can't do that, man. That's that's like blasphemy. There's one minute moment where he slaps somebody and says, "Bitch, please." Oh, yeah, he did. All right, Cogsman was bad. We could rip him apart, you know, through this whole podcast. But but let's move on now. We'll talk about the film's inevitable Michael Bay fourth act. But besides that fourth act. Did you think that the film felt exhaustive leading up to that? Like, because the, I thought that the action okay. was pretty action spread was out. The action was spread out. Yeah, I agree it was. But I was like, I, like I said, man, to close to the end of the movie, I was like, this, get it over with. Really? Well, yeah, yeah. the thing is, in the beginning, you see Optimus Prime floating in the air, right? I mean, floating in space. He's in to my creators, you know, all that stuff, right? That's like five, two, two or three minutes in the movie, right? Then you see him again. That's another ten minutes. 
Man, you don't see Optimus Prime is close to like the fourth act, to the fourth act, man. Like, if you think about it, though. Man. All right, I got two. I just want to play devil's advocate for a minute. One, Optimus Prime. We we both agree that the first Transformers movie is the best, right? Yeah. He's not in that movie a lot either. Now he's in it more than this, but remember, he doesn't come into that movie till about an hour and fifteen minutes in. In the first, oh yeah, that's true. All right. Number two, his main role here isn't Optimus Prime. It's Nemesis. Nemesis Nemesis Prime, yeah. So that's my argument for that. The main role for Optimus here is to be a a villain. So I I was okay. Now, was that a little... He is basically used as a plot device, as an antagonist, but I, I, I didn't have as big of a problem with this as other people did. Well, you know what, Brian, I once again point something out while he was watching it. They said they did the Fast and the Furious 8 thing. See, I hadn't seen Fast 8. Oh, oh, man, I'm going to spoil it for you, dude. Don't don't spoil it, dude. Come on now. Oh, man, I can't say it, dude. Well, anyway, he made a reference to that movie. It's it's the same thing, man. You know, know, Toretto turned bad, Prime turned bad, whatever. I said, yeah, he's kind of (laughs) right. So, I mean, but the... I think I was just exhausted, man, because I was I was sitting in that seat. I was leaning back. I was leaning forward, leaning back. I had my hand on my, my on my on my face. I'm like, oh, I was just sitting there like this. Just needs to be over quick. Was your theater packed? Not really. Yeah, mine was not that full, but I went on like a Monday afternoon. So yeah, so I was on Sunday. Sunday at three o'clock. So I mean, it was all right. People out of church and everything. But back to the fourth act, man. I, and you know what? And another thing, I got forget the fourth act, man. Another hey, thing yeah, is that girl. Can we hold on? little girl. Can we hold off on the fourth act till the end? Yeah. Okay. The, the little girl that that that's in the beginning that helped old boys out. Her Isabella. She was a, Isabella, and. I kind of agree with um. Once again, Brian said she was a useless character. Well, she's she set really up as a major character for thirty. Yeah, minutes. she's taken it, off this, screen for an hour and a half. That's what I'm saying. She was a useless character. I mean, you brought her in. She was kind of badass. You have these boys out. Then you don't use her no more. No more. I'm like, damn. It's like okay. Yo, man, it was just so much going. This. All right, it was all so right. much going on, man. I want to tell you about a part of the film that was so bad it was funny. I enjoyed it. There's a scene in which the U.S. government, it's Michael Bay, so you know we're going to push the U.S. government hard. Oh, um, wait. Dealing with Josh DeMel had to cut a deal with the devil with Megatron, I, right? Yeah. There's a scene <laughs> where they meet Megatron in the mi- middle of the desert with a group of lawyers, and they basically do the Con Air thing where it's yes. like, I want these guys, these Decepticons, and it cuts to them in robot jail. Dude, I was looking at that, man. I'm like, what in the fuck, man? I'm like, I said, okay. All right. So I'm about to say the names. Mohawk. Okay. And Megatron said, I want my gang. He didn't say his Decepticons. He said gang. This was weird. This was like very off-putting. It was. It really was, man. I'm like, what the hell y'all doing? Did did you think this was racist? I think it was unnecessary. Because a lot of people have said it was uh, racist. 
it was stereotyping people, man. It was like stereotyping people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Then you had a guy like a chain on around his neck. He like a psychopath. Like, dude, like Nitro Zeus. Come on, man. Mohawk. Are any of these real deceptive? No, no. Okay. No, it was not in the Generation 1. If they were, I have not read it or anything. It was just made for the movie, man. It was stupid because I was sitting here, and here's what I was thinking. I knew it wasn't going to be Starscream because they showed his head already. Yeah. So I was like, oh, we're maybe going to see, you know, Soundwave. Soundwave or like one of those recognizable Decepticons. Right. But no, it was a bunch of bullshit. It so really was. The scene was kind of funny and cool as far as the lawyers meeting him in the desert. But like as far as cutting to the Decepticons and all that, that was there were parts of it that were so bad it was laughable. But it really, I, I thought it was kind of in poor taste for the most part. Well, like I said, that was not necessary for that. You know what I'm saying? He cut the deal with the devil, but the thing was, his his Decepticons were not, I didn't know anything about them. And the way it, it was done, it was, like you say, poor taste. Well, they show up and they get killed like they immediately. They get killed, yeah. There's, that- there's more time letting them out of jail than there is them fighting on screen. Yeah, they did like a Suicide Squad thing, man. Yeah, it was like, it was like the names and stuff. Like, okay, <clears throat> oh gosh, yeah, that was pretty bad. Yes, it was. I totally agree on that. We agree on this one. But yeah, man, that is and another problem I had also with this movie, man, is that it was just the 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 dialogues, man. Of them, the inner back and forth, the talking, and the cheesiness and the corniness of it, man. I, I know what it is. I, I expect it, but <laughs> enough is enough. Sometimes, what man. about that that sex scene or the one they alluded to? So there's yeah, a that, that right there. I'm like, okay, put it in, put it out. I'm like, okay, put it down. I'm like, God, there's a scene where Mark Wahlberg goes back to smart lady's house, uh, Doctor Wembley. And um, <laughs> what a name. Oh, she's right. I guess we'll name her Wembley. But anyway, they're looking for some stuff because apparently her dad was also a historian who had a fascination with the Knights of the Round Table. And there was supposed to be a reveal to her being a relative to Merlin. And they're just throwing crap around looking for stuff. And they make it sound like it's basically double entendres for sexual references. Like you said, put it in. That's heavy. Yeah. Oh, you're a hoarder. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, it was that was really bad. That was almost as bad as the Decepticon slash Con Air ripoff scene. But all right. All right. Let's let's keep this uh, uh, this big rig on the road here. Um <laughs> I want to ask you this. Yeah, big rig. I like that. I like that big rig. Who's a G1 fan. What did you think about how the Dinobots were reduced to just junkyard fodder? Basically oh, like oh my goodness, they man. were like dogs. Dude, they were like pets, man. I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Pets, man. You had one of the strongest Autobots in the damn Autobot ranks, man. Grimlock, Slash, Sludge. Come on, dude. Seriously, man. Explain something to me. Okay. So I know the Dinobots because they're in the the movie, the cartoon movie. However, so Grimlock's the big T-Rex, right? He's He's the the one that Optimus rides. Why are the other three babies? 
I, that's a good question. Why are they? Were they babies in Age of Extinction, or were they no, in it? No, they were not. So they were not. Just, so they're babies now. Well, you know, the other one, uh, what was the Triceratops? He was not. He, well, he showed up in the movie too when they broke into the uh, on the whatever the ground, whatever. But yo, man, the Dinobots are strong robots, man. They are strong Autobots, man, because. Grimlock always butted head with Optimus Prime in the comic. I mean, not in the um, cartoon. In the, always, because he wants leadership. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> yeah. But they made. Oh, that that was that was awful. Seriously, man. <laughs> One of the strongest Autobots, man. See, this they don't is this is where if I was a big fan of it, like you are, it would bother me more. But considering that. I knew how this film was going to be. I mean, it's just like, okay, whatever. I mean, it was kind of charming to see like Mark Wahlberg interact with Grimlock as this giant dinosaur pet. But if I had like some type of emotional attachment to those characters, like let's say it was the Dragon Zord and Power Rangers, like the Dragon Zord had been reduced to a pet, I would have been freaking pissed off. I bet you would. Yeah, I bet you would be pissed off. I'll be laughing. I'll be laughing though. I'll be laughing. Vice versa. Yeah, I'll be laughing at you right now. I just want to say, Mark Wahlberg as Cade Yeager is a lot better in this film than he was in Age of Extinction. Like he's good. He makes this film bearable. Like if it was not for him, like giving a hundred and ten percent. This would feel like longer than three hours, even though it's two and a half hours. But you know what, man? Right, you're right. But he's not going to do another Transformer movie. So he's, that's this the last one. Who would you like to see them get? Like, if they were going to, if you got to cast the next central character, human character, who would you cast? Me? I would cast The Rock. <laughs> the Me? Rock, the Me? Rock Me? man. Me? The Rock's the only no, don't, don't man can rock. save Transformers. I'm te- can you imagine The Rock riding Grimlock? Yes, I can. Oh my goodness, <laughs> God! That, you know what? You know he's got a movie called Rampage based based on the video game coming out next year, right? And he's got Jumanji, and he's got a whole bunch of crap. But yeah, I don't think he needs to be in Transformers. He's good. Okay, <laughs> I don't um, know. The Rock is a good one. Yeah, I agree. The Rock. What do you think about Josh Demel coming back for this film? Now, Tyrese Gibson wanted to come back. He really did, but he couldn't because of the Fast 8 film. Yeah, the schedule was all kind of messed up. Uh, I was thinking pretty cool, man. He, he was in the beginning. And, you know, I think that was pretty cool. He, he was in, damn, all of them. Right? Yeah. He wasn't uh, in Age of Extinction, was he? Oh no no no! He was in the Asian things, but he was he in was four in, to five. Yeah, he was in the original like Shia LaBeouf trilogy. Yeah, he was movies. Yeah, he was in the original. I think it was a pretty cool to bring him back, man. You know, he got a paycheck. All right, I'm gonna tell you why. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you the one reason that I enjoy this film. And I wrote okay, Brad. I wrote, okay, I wrote it in my review. So, I, despite how bad this movie is, you didn't just take your headphones off. Did you? No, I didn't take my head. I'm playing with a knife right now. I got a knife. Right You're gonna. Kill I want to kill myself. I want to kill myself. How bad Transformers is, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, as bad as this movie was, there's one scene, and it was teased in the Super Bowl Fifty One ad, 
that I thought was worth the price of admission. It was worth the six or seven bucks that I paid to get into the matinee. And that was the Nemesis Prime, Optimus Prime versus Bumblebee fight. So Optimus returns as Nemesis. He wants the staff. Unicron, as it's revealed, is rising out of the water. Very cool scene with parts of Unicron rising out of the water. And you have Optimus going head to head with Bumblebee in a epic fight with a lot of emotion in it. You have Mark Wahlberg there kind of in the middle of it. And usually I would say this is bullshit. Get the human out of the Transformers way. Let the Transformers do their thing. But I thought this is one case where having a human in there made it more effective because he almost served as an audience surrogate. He was saying the things to be saying the things mainly, though, to Optimus that you wanted to tell Optimus as a fan of that character throughout the course of these films. And this fight ensues, and he's about to kill Bumblebee. And to hear Bumblebee talk in that moment. Okay, start right there. Start right there. Okay. That was the problem. Why? Wow. All that time, man. I mean, all he said, you were my friend, Optimus, and all he snaps out of it? Seriously, man? That's one of the easiest cop-outs. Come on, seriously. Dude, I love this part. And I know some people had a problem because his voice box wasn't working. Yeah, but, I mean, all through the movie, he's trying to get his voice <laughs> Well, it was kind of funny when they, uh, when they gave him a voice box. He sounded like a, uh, was it like a woman, right? It sounded like that, Siri. Siri, it was Siri. That was funny. But well, I get what you're saying on that part, man. You know, Dude, I, you're gonna make so much fun of me, and I'm gonna catch hell about this for like yes, years to yes, come. You are. You and are. I, I said it in my review. I think I said it on my uh, YouTube uh, re- rapid reflection, and I'll say it. When I do this again with Andrew Stokes in a couple weeks, dude, I so I look down, not because I want to take my eyes off the screen, because like I became emotional. A tear started rolling down my cheek. And he's like, "I'm your oldest friend," and I'm, oh gosh, dude, they got me there. Oh no, no, I mean they did. I, I love you. I, I think that this fight and the ending to that fight was one of the best things in all five of these movies. Did you not think that was a good fight scene, at least? It was a good fight scene, but that, that didn't bring a tear to me. That right there. You know, I teared up in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 when they yeah. started playing. They had young dude's funeral. Oh, I, that, yeah. That, I didn't tear up there, but, man, weird Did stuff I. makes me tear up. But that made me, like, well up, like, almost want to cry, that yawn. Oh, my stuff. goodness, Brad. You're going to get teased from now on when we have a podcast. That's fine. Remember this guy? He cried in Transformers <laughs> the last night. <laughs> yeah, See, I cried. I cried at Transformers, too. But you know how old I was? I was a kid. And when they killed Optimus Prime in the movie, the 30 years ago. You're talking about Transformers. Oh, the animation. Revenge yeah. of the Fallen when they killed him, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> you no, said Transformers too, right? No, 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 no. When I was a kid, <laughs> I cried. Okay, okay. That was the worst thing they did in my childhood. Killed off Optimus Prime, man. I cried, I cried, I cried. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, if the film would have ended there. And but not it did fourth act i think this would have been a much better film but boy the fourth act is like the worst tendencies of michael bay 
on full frontal display here. <laughs> I mean, that, there are cool parts in this fight. Like, I want to ask you this. So we find out that Earth is Unicron. Right. Which is kind of a cool twist. Yeah, you know, but you know, that's that's a cool that's a cool twist, whatever. But you know, Unicron is another planet, man. He is a freaking living planet. He's a robot that devours other planets. So the fact that it's and Earth, he he's Earth. been and been, put him on Earth. But he's been dormant and now he's coming to life is I don't know. I think that's kind of interesting. But so you have Cybertron crashing toward Unicron. And you have Optimus coming back to the side of the humans like he always inevitably does. And here's what I don't understand, okay? Who controls Who controls the dragon? Okay, so the I read about this on Wikipedia. The Knights of Iacon are the Transformers Knights, right? Yep. They combine to create this three-headed Transformers dragon that we see at the beginning of the movie and the end of the film, and that dragon's badass. Now, at the beginning of the movie, when the staff is given from one of the knights to Merlin, Merlin controls the dragon, right? Yep. So it's inferred that whoever controls the staff controls the dragon. Uh However... After Megatron and the Decepticons get the staff and take it to Quintessa, the dragon shows up on the side of the Autobots. Yes, yeah, see, there you go. That's I'm, what I'm saying. How and why? Because they don't have the staff the Decepticons do. So why would he you be on what? the side of the Autobots? You know what? I got some. I got a few things to say. Bad writing. How do you miss that? I, I don't think. It's bad writing, man. It's just like, it's just, oh, man, I can't even explain it, man. It's just like, it was just, a lot of rules have changed in the Transformers um, movies, man. What? Like we said, people die and come back. <laughs> Use all people again. And all right, was, why did they need the staff? And that's not what I'm saying. Like, why? I still don't understand I, that. I don't understand it either. You had the staff and the talisman. Okay, what the hell? And another thing about the talisman, man, it found Marky Mark. I'm saying Marky Mark. Okay, so <laughs> let's just go ahead and say, though, that Marky Mark is the last night. He's the last night. Like, what? No, I, see, I thought that was cool. Yeah, but then again, he. Uh, and another thing, the talisman's all on his body and everything. All of a sudden, he's talking to Wimbledon, the, the professor. It goes and in she's his looking pants. What is the pants? Like, really, man? <laughs> I'm like, dude, seriously? <laughs> I'm like, oh goodness, man! He can't be any more juvenile, man. Like, really? Oh, <laughs> okay. Said, all right, cool. The dude was the thing was all on his body. He ended up going down his pants, and like, and the woman just looking at him. Like, okay, can't be any more juvenile doing this scene, man. Then when they're about to cut off another scene. When the um nice about to just behead Optimus Prime, you see Mark Wahlberg, the talisman all of a sudden turns into a freaking sword. Dude, that was and, badass. Yeah, I, yeah, like, but, I like that scene. I don't care yo, what you said. Yo, you got this twenty feet whatever um robot, and you got this human with a long sword. And like all of a sudden, he gonna stop him, dude. It's like, King Arthur's King Arthur's that's, sword. That's Excalibur. Does this supposed to be Excalibur? I guess, yeah. Okay, All I right. guess so. 
Dude, that, that was, was another problem. And he's like, I aligned myself with one of the greats, Optimus Prime. Yeah, I'm like, okay. I said, okay, guys. Enough is enough, man. I was just like, I mean, Mark Warburg did the best. He did his best job on his movie, man. It's not his fault. He, like you say, he, he did it. his character was good and stuff like that, man. But it's just, man. Oh, speaking of robots and actors, they finally got um, the original voice of Megatron, the actor, voice actor, Frank Record. That's cool. They finally got him. Remember in the beginning, they had used Hugo Hugo Weaving in the first one, I think, in the second one. And they finally got got the original voice actor to play Megatron, which was kind of cool. That's the only plus I see on that. <laughs> that you know. And but damn, man, I I didn't recognize none of the other robots, man. Yeah, no Soundwave, yeah. no shot. I mean, Starscream was dead. Soundwave was still around, I believe. I think he didn't die. He's a satellite in this. He's season. a satellite, yeah. So I mean, no, he was a, a BMW. No, yeah, he was okay. a BMW. I want to say this. I was gonna ask you this to close out with, but I want to ask it to you right now. Um, what do you? Let's just pretend real quick that Michael Bay is like. For real this time, he's going to do the sixth movie and he's going to end his story. Okay, I'm going to tell you what I would like to see. I want to see Shia LaBeouf come back and really give like a wholehearted effort and team up with Mark Wahlberg and just like Bay unhinged. And I know you said they killed Shia LaBeouf, right? Yeah, they killed him. They also killed that military guy. <laughs> That's right. And they also killed Stanley Tucci. He's a Merlin in this. <laughs> I mean, so they could just bring him back. It don't matter that they killed him. That means nothing. Or he could have said he went to hide it. I don't. I want to see Shia LaBeouf come back and fi- excuse me. I want to see Shia LaBeouf come back and finish this franchise. I, I don't think so. I mean, and then I want to see him reboot it in the Beast Wars. No, no, I don't. No, don't, no Beast Wars. No Beast no. Wars? No. Why no. you don't like Beast Wars? It, I, I, Beast Wars is good, but um, but then again, they're trying to do a Bumblebee spinoff, man. I, I I think they need to just reboot the whole franchise, man. Just be done, just reboot it. Dude, Michael, Michael Bay, Bay is not going to be... This is like his avatar, man. This is his baby. It is, and it's, this is his last movie. I mean, I read, I read it's his last movie doing it, I mean. He's not That's doing bullshit. Anymore. That's he's gonna do another one. I guarantee. No, he's not. He's, I don't think so. Don't um, think. now I just want to say that I wrote a review. You can find it at thepicreview.com, where I was not as hard on this movie uh, as I was in our podcast here tonight. And I, I mean, the things that I enjoyed. So it's not just a complete shit show. I like the return of Josh Demel. I thought Mark Wahlberg gave 110% when, like, at the end, Dark of the Moon, Shia LaBeouf was clearly phoning it in. I thought the fight between Bumblebee and Optimus was epic and worth worth the price of admission. Um, I I would say this, though. Um, The new, what it was, the AEF, whatever thing? TRF, Transformers Resistance Force. Force. I, I like their weapons. That was pretty cool, man. It reminded me of the um the um monk um Robotech. The um the military thing they had a Robotech with the two legs. Hey, what do you think the, about the, Go ahead? I like the um 
the 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 machines and the the military stuff. I mean, I, I always like the military stuff, man. The um, the copters and jets and stuff like that. It's great. I would say the visuals were nice, man. But once again, it's just like it's it's nothing. It's no, it's no kind of cohesiveness to it. It's just fucking everywhere. What do you think about John Tourette? Taturo's character returning the uh, sector. Oh no, I, I like him. I'm I, this. I'm. I'm gonna go back on this one. I forgot about that. I like him. <laughs> I, I like. I like the conspiracy theories and his own um, things like that. And, you know, but yeah, he's he was all. And yeah, he was in all five movies. Yeah, so it was cool to to. Ha- so he was. Was he in Age of Extinction? No, 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 no. He was in the original three, just like John. Yeah, yeah. He's in yeah. the uh, movies. Do you think that the um take Transformers one out of it, okay? So compare Revenge of the Fallen and Dark of the Moon versus Age of Extinction and The Last Night. What's been better as a whole? The Wahlberg movies or the Shy movies, if you take the first film out? The Shy. Really, you think man, I think Revenge of the Fallen's the worst of the bunch though, because the writers strike. Uh, what it was doing that time? Okay. Well, all right. Now you know you want you want my order now of the worst. All right, let's go. Let's go. You want to go best the worst or worst? Best the worst. worst. All right. Okay. And I'm gonna include the first. All right. The first one's the best. We can agree on that, right? Right. The first is the best. Okay. Dark of the Moon second. I agree with that. Uh, <laughs> revenge of no. Revenge of the Fallen third, and I will say last night is fourth in the um, Age of Extinction film. Age of Extinction is the worst. Plus, it's yeah. two hours and forty five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's my order of the from the best to the worst. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That? Here's the thing: I love. I will tell you this: I love the opening scene from Revenge of the Fallen. I'll never forget, because everybody loved the first Transformers movie, and if they say they didn't, they're full of shit. Um, So everybody loved the first one. We talked about that, right? So I'll never yeah. forget, it was at the end of the school year. I was in college as like a junior in college, I think, when the second one came out. We went to a midnight showing in IMAX. And that opening scene, when they dropped Optimus out of the airplane, the whole theater was clapping and cheering. Yeah, that uh, yeah, I remember that. That was awesome. God, I, that, that. I mean, you can say, and that's the thing about these movies. For as bad as they can be as a whole, they all have really epic scenes in them. Michael Bay's uh, not good at directing films. He's really good at directing scenes. Now, sometimes right. those scenes go on too long, but man, that was a badass scene. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, Dark of the Moon's the second best one. The stuff with the Chicago battles, freaking awesome. I like that battle. I was flying in to save everybody, kicking ass. Yeah, that was really good. The stuff, and Sentinel Prime's in that one too, right? Right, 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 right. So, so, I mean, more. Dark of the Moon's pretty good, I think. Yeah, that's what I said, because when, when the first one came out, I loved the first one. The second one, the Revenge of the Fallen sucked. But, well, then, then, but everybody's like, that's the writer's strike. So maybe. And then when Dark of the Moon came out, it was it was better. Come on, cat. Um, the cat gnawing on my feet, man. Uh, <laughs> um, but the Dark of the Moon, 
was a step up from the second movie. Which is saying much, but Age of Extinction is like the worst of the worst. That's a clusterfuck. I'm sorry, man. But the, it, it's like hilariously bad. That's the thing about it. I don't know. I would probably say that I like The Last Night. I think The Last Night's my third favorite one. So I would go, um, when we're talking about the movies as a whole, so I would go The Transformers 1, then Dark, Dark of the Moon. Moon, then The Last Night, then Revenge of the Fallen, then Age of Extinction. Okay. So this is my third favorite one. And I don't know why, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it, Amos, and I'm going to catch hell for this for years to come. I enjoyed this movie. I'm not going to give you my rating yet. But I just okay. want to tell you that. For whatever reason, I enjoyed this movie because I want to talk about that post-credits, mid-credits stinger. So the lady that voiced Quintessa. Oh, well, I know who she is. Shows back up in human form, right? That's right. And they're excavating parts of the Unicron horn. Yep. And she says to them that I can help you or something. So what, where do you think that's going? I don't know, man. That's just, when they, she said that, I'm like, what, what, I, I thought, it was, how can you help them raise this freaking planet? I don't, I don't know. And really, at the point right there, after I watched that movie, I didn't care. Here's what I don't understand. So Unicron's an enemy of the Autobots, right? Well, he's an enemy to Cybertron in general, to Decepticon and Autobots. Okay, so he's such a big bad, he's like an enemy to all. Oh, right, yeah. At the end of this film, it's made clear by Optimus, I'll never betray Earth again. But now it's revealed that Earth is actually Unicron, the greatest enemy of Cybertron, Decepticons and Autobots alike. So wasn't isn't that going to inevitably put Optimus against Earth? You're going to have to be. I'm, I mean, that's, like, that that's, makes that's, no that's what I'm sense. About. That's, that don't make any sense. That's what I'm saying. And that's the reason why I'm so like done with it. Unicron, I don't see Unicron being Earth, man. Unicron was a, a living, he was a planet eater. Like uh, Galactus. He was yeah. the planets and robot planets, anything. You know what I'm saying? So I don't get it. I just don't. You know that the Contessa, the lady, she's in the humans. The TV show Humans on Sci Fi. Really? Yeah. Is I, I Quintessa is Quintessa a character from G one Transformers? Nope. No. Nope. So it's just a brand new character. Well, what it is in G one it's called the Quintessence. Okay. They were the makers of the Autobots and Decepticons. So she was an amalgamation of a bunch of different people. Yeah, because the Quintessons uh, actually, where well, they had like five faces, so they kind of rotated yeah. around, you know, something like that. So yeah, I mean, in the in the lore, in the in the cartoon, it was the Quintessons. They were the makers of the Autobots and Decepticons, and they rebelled against their makers. Okay, okay. So that what I'm kind of like, damn. Okay, I I get that. <laughs> so all right, I I don't have anything else to say about this film. Um. Is there anything? I mean, we've tore it apart. We've dissected it fairly well here. I think it was entertaining. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about this? Oh my goodness, listen, man. I'm going back to my podcast I did back in. Um, let's see, episode. What episode was that? I think it was episode twenty. Oh, I know what it was. It was episode. Episode 18. 
I'm going back to what I said before. It is not a good movie, and I was not as I, I knew it was going to be bad, man. I knew it. Was it worse than you thought it was going to be? Ah, man. My expectations, I had none to go in. I was just going to sit and watch. But you know what? It's, it, was, it wasn't bad compared to the ones I just said earlier, the ranking. Yeah. And uh, it was better than Age of Extinction. I'll say that because they're that's not saying much because Age of Extinction was just. I gave that a one star crap rating. Man, I should have given no star, man. So I debated giving Age of Extinction a half a crap, like just a half. Not a whole. No, I think you got to at least give a half because they attempted to make a film. Right, right. Well, I mean, like I said, it wasn't bad. It was a little step up from Age of Extinction, and like I said, as a fan of the franchise, I mean, of the toy line and cartoon, man. I really did not enjoy this at all. Like I said, the last two movies, man. No. Will you go see another Transformers film? Nah, not this time around. I think we'll wait till you get on Blu-ray or DVD. Even the Bumblebee spinoff, you won't get. No, nah, even on Hulu. If it's on Hulu, I check it out. Nah, I'm not gonna see Bumblebee. Nah, I'm done. Okay, Amos, let's go ahead and rate this movie. So let's do it on the confirmed epic rating scale. So. Uh, crap, eh, good, great, epic. What would you give it? You can give half ratings. Half ratings? Yeah. Okay. Half a crapola. So so crap and a half or half of a crap? Half of a crap. So a point five out of ten. Point five. No, 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 no. I'll take that back. I'll give you a whole crap and a half. Okay, so crap and a half. Yep, crap and a half. I'll take that back, crap and a half. All right. Well, I'm, well, my rating, I got a rating for you. Oh, yeah, okay, because this is the confirmed Amos pop. Yes, I mean, this is okay. my rating. I'm, I'm going by numbers this time around. Okay. You're going you to rank it between the numbers of one and five. What would you give it? Between one and five? Yeah. I'd give it a three and a half out of five. Oh, my goodness. I, it, it, so on my scale, a good and a half, and that's what I gave it my rating. Now, let me tell you why. I can't tell you why. No. No, no. I mean, the only reason I'm giving it a good and a half is based on my enjoyment of the film. I recognize the plot holes. I recognize there were parts that were just complete bull crap. But that Optimus Bumblebee fight combined with a very strong 125% performance from Mark Wahlberg and the girl that he was with, the female character, her name's Haddock, who played uh, the character of Dr. Wembley. I thought that they really put a lot of this film's weight on their shoulders. And, I mean, if the movies made me tear up, I mean, that has to say something. And I wasn't tearing up because it was so bad. I, I, I give this a good and a half. I already have it pre-ordered on 4K Blu-ray. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I, I know it's pretty bad when I say I recognize it's not a good movie. But I, for whatever reason, I enjoyed this film. And I went in with the low, like, I expected a half a crap movie, right? Like, just low expectations. Brad, do you want me to be on your podcast in, in the future, man? Yeah, I do, man. As Amen. much as you can. Dude, really, man? Oh. Okay. I'm going to confirm this at a good and a half. 
Good and a half. Okay, good and a half. Okay, then. <laughs> All right, Amos. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap up this special edition of the Confirmed Amos podcast. Where can people find more of you, my friend? Yes, you can also find me on my uh, webpage, justbeingamous.com. Also, all my social media media handles on Instagram, Twitter, at justbeingamous. And um, also, you can hit me on Facebook also, at justbeingamous. Everything is justbeingamous. You also can check out my um, podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes, at justbeingamous. As for me, you can find me at Geeks Worldwide, dgww.com. This podcast has been a proud presentation of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can always find me at the epicreview.com. That's thepicreview.com. You can find me on Twitter at the real Brad Bell. That's the R-E-E-L Brad Bell. Also, I really want to push my YouTube page. Just go to YouTube, or I should say our YouTube page, the Confirmed Epic Teams YouTube page. Go to YouTube. Go to TH Epic Review. You can see a YouTube tab or YouTube search Confirmed Epic Podcast. Amos, I'm really busy trying to up my YouTube game, putting out some different YouTube segments like Rapid Reflections where I can give immediate takes on stuff and just new series out there to give my input and to really step it up on YouTube. So go over there, subscribe to us, just search for the confirmed Epic podcast. Also trying to get one day at a time. I'm putting back catalog. So I put episode one and two way back from 2013 of the confirmed Epic podcast on our YouTube page. So working on that as a process to get those older episodes. Also, You may not want to buy a shirt now since you've heard my rating on Transformers 5 the last night. (laughs) But if you want to support the podcast, the number one thing you can do besides listen, download, and share, and click and play, which a lot of you have been doing, I'm very appreciative of that, as I know Amos is as well for the people that listen to his podcast. I know I can speak for him on that. But if you want to support us, uh, the Confirmed Epic Podcast, go to tpublic.com slash user slash the real brad bell d r e e l brad bell choose one of three shirts we have on there we have one for the epic review one for the confirmed epic podcast and one that's a very special tea dedicated to jerry's dad who funded our podcast and our website in the very beginning so go check out those confirmed epic t-shirts now at t public and from the hollywood foothills of north carolina we, and also, go ahead from the uh, home of Atlanta Braves and Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you just had to throw that. Well, this is a crappy podcast anyway, because we're talking about <laughs> yeah from the home of the the two past NFC champions, the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons, who neither one could close the deal of the Super Bowl fifty or fifty one. <laughs> For Amos and the real Brad Bell, we are. Out. That's all I have to say about that. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at the GWW.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. 
Tactics Assemble! From the Hollywood foothills of North Carolina, I'm the real Brad Bell, coming at you with our very first merch pitch, which is going to be our three inaugural t-shirts celebrating over four and a half years of the EpicReview.com, THEpicReview.com, and the official podcast of the EpicReview.com, the Confirmed Epic Podcast. You're going to be able to find all of these shirts at tpublic.com slash user slash therealbradbell. D-R-E-E-L Brad Bell. First shirt I want to show off is the Confirmed Epic Podcast logo t-shirt. Here's why I love this design and this shirt so much because it shows off what we talk about most, what we love most on the Confirmed Epic Podcast which is comics and film and specifically this also relates to comic book movies as well as we have the word bubbles encapsulated in the splice of film. So show off to your friends your love for film, your love for comics, and your love for the Confirmed Epic Podcast and our very first logo tee. Our second shirt revolves around a blunder slash inside joke that has become a staple of not only the Confirmed Epic Podcast but our brand as a whole. And that is THEpicReview.com and our THEpicReview.com tee. What started as a mistake by myself by only including one E in our URL, theepicreview.com, has now become not only an inside joke, but a calling card of myself, a.k.a. Andrew Stokes and Jerry Barbecue 17 Reed. Now you can let all your friends and family members in on that joke, as well as inform them of one of the best entertainment blogs on the internet with the epicreview.com that's the thepicreview.com t-shirt last but not least we have my favorite design of the three and that is the thank you bob reed t-shirt way back when jerry barbecue 17 and i as well as aka andrew stokes had a dream of starting an entertainment blog we realized it was going to be a lot of work and it was going to cost a decent chunk of change. So when nobody else believed in us, the man that gave us Barbecue 17, Jerry Barbecue 17 Reed, also funded the upstart of the EpicReview.com as well as the Confirmed Epic Podcast in order to get us on the airwaves. And we now want to thank him and celebrate that man, the one, the only Bob Reed, with this badass Thank You Bob Reed t-shirt. What you have here is the most epic photograph we could find of the father of Barbecue 17, Bob Reed. Now you can show off your love for the man that if it were not for him, there would be no TheEpicReview.com or The Confirmed Epic Podcast. So get your Thank You Bob Reed t-shirt today. You can find all of these shirts at tpublic.com slash user slash the real Brad Bell, the R-E-E-L Brad Bell. We're going to be giving away one of each of these t-shirts on the Confirmed Epic Podcast, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, head over to tpublic.com slash user slash the real Brad Bell, the R-E-E real Brad Bell right now so that you can have the most confirmed epic wardrobe of all of your your friends.
just being honest.